Hey, I feel really good about last week's elections, but America is still in big trouble. Take a look. A woman goes to a hockey game and she wears a Let's Go Brandon t-shirt. And that's too much. That's too much for the hockey team, for the people who own the arena. This actually happened in Wichita, Kansas at a Wichita Thunder game. She's wearing a Let's Go Brandon shirt and they take her out. You see the shirt? Let's go, Brandon. And her evening is over. No more hockey for her. <laughs> Nobody can believe it. It's, uh, it's absurd, right? <laughs> but this is happening. Let's go, Brandon is somehow hate speech. Now, um, hey, let's face it. At a hockey game, bad things happen. Often to the delight of fans, okay? There are fights. You can say all kinds of things from the stands. Now... The team, in my opinion, suspiciously is saying she was not removed for the Let's Go Brandon t-shirt, but for her inappropriate language at a hockey game. Again, you're allowed to say stuff at a hockey game. Was it the chant, Let's Go Brandon? Because, hey, they're trying to fire that pilot from U.S. Air. This is still America, and some crazy stuff is happening right now. We've got to, we got to take care of each other and not let them get away with this. In the meantime, Democrats are feeling mighty proud because they passed that ridiculous infrastructure package. Uh, this is, okay, it sounds great. Oh, money for roads, bridges, uh, airport repair. No, the fine print is weird. And some of this climate change stuff, it is, this is not a good bill. It boosts the deficit by, what, a quarter billion dollars. And uh, let's face it, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, the Democrats in Congress, they may call it Build Back Better, but they know nothing, nothing about building anything. These are career politicians. They know how to ask for money. They know how to do favors and ask for favors and ask then for more money and say things that they think will get people to like them. They've never built anything. You know who has and you know why he, why he didn't fit in? Yeah, Donald Trump. He is a creator. This is the guy who actually knows how to build things and they tried to chase him out of town. You can look in the Art of the Deal book. This is real stuff. This is real skill. They pretend it's not what he did with that ice skating rink or the hotel in Midtown and hundreds of other properties. They say, ah, no, 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 that's showmanship. No, it's real skill that they lack. And unfortunately for all of us, they tried to sabotage his presidency. Remember these characters? <laughs> And by the way, something that they have in common, they don't know how to build anything either. All of these characters, Donald Trump actually brought world-class talent to Washington, D.C., and that's why Washington, D.C. had very little use for a guy like that. In the meantime, this Build Back Better plan may or may not pass the Senate. We'll see. Um, COVID remains something that they're fixated on, exploiting it, I believe, exploiting it because, look, they think it will keep them in power because it helped get them into power. When Joe Biden was able to hide out in the basement for a year, that was a major, major benefit to his campaign. Because when Joe is out among the people, we know this by now, he screws up all the time. He is a gaff machine, yelling at construction workers, saying awful things. He would not have won 
without COVID. So now COVID, I believe, is a way they think they can keep and enhance their power and create obedient children. We'll get to that in a moment. Who remembers Nancy Pelosi at that silly event in California? Not wearing a mask, no one there wearing a mask, except by the way, their servants. Isn't that interesting? And getting back to the obedient children, I do think there's something to this. Look at how they're treating them and look at the, this is propaganda, plain and simple. Wear a mask to school. I wear a mask to school. Hi ho the Dario. I wear a mask to school. Well, it helps to keep me safe. The kids are not into it. They're not buying it. Uh, but getting this day in and day out, uh, it's what's the long-term effect? Again, I am encouraged by last Tuesday. There is a sense that the tide is turning, but we're not there yet. And the hypocrisy and the power pursuit continues. Take a look at Randy Weingarten. She is the uh, head of the teachers union, the National Teachers Union. Here she is at a big convention, not wearing a mask. This weekend, not wearing a mask. People next to her, not wearing a mask. You saw those poor kids, the students? She's been very, very hard about masks and making the classrooms all COVID compatible. She had to apologize because she was caught. Oh, big apology. And the heart of it, if kids are wearing masks in schools to protect themselves and others, educators must wear masks inside as well. I'm sorry. I don't think I'm sorry is good enough. After what they've done to our kids, I'm sorry is not good enough. Finally, though, sanity from a, an appeals court in Louisiana, the Fifth Circuit, they, they stayed the vaccine mandate, uh, a three-judge panel. Uh, the petition was filed by business groups, religious groups, advocacy groups, several states. They claim that OSHA exceeded its authority. This has the potential to head to the Supreme Court, and the panel agreed. The, uh, it was stayed. There are grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate. The mandate is hereby stayed pending further action. That is just a breath of fresh air. OSHA... They're, they can regulate. They don't pass laws. For us to all do something, there has to be a law. And this OSHA thing is not a law. Right, Professor? The Biden administration is taking a law, OSHA, which is um, designed to regulate uh, conditions that arise in the workplace. And they're trying to use it to uh, turn employers into public health agencies. If we're going to have a vaccine mandate, the way to do that is to go to Congress and ask them to pass a law. Mr. Essenberg from uh, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, so many have been exploiting this. Uh, we mentioned Joe Biden, but everybody and the virtue signaling that comes with it and the mass everywhere. It's getting it's getting ridiculous and the overt politicization, now sometimes it's not that overt. You gotta listen and you gotta remember. Uh, Vivek Murthy, I think his name is, the Surgeon General of America now, also was advising Joe Biden during the campaign. Uh, take a look at this. He comes off a little warm and cuddly, but he's not. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals yesterday blocked the mandate, citing grave and statutory and constitutional issues. I know you're not a lawyer, but is the administration confident this can survive the legal challenges? Well, Martha, the president and the administration wouldn't have put these requirements in place if they didn't think that they were appropriate 
and necessary, and the administration is certainly prepared to defend them. But let's step back for a moment and just look at why these are so important. Throughout our history, we've seen that we have used vaccine requirements to protect the population. Okay. Started back with George Washington, in fact. He sounds very reasonable, right? He is a brutal political player. Absolutely. And he did Joe Biden's bidding during the campaign. Now, you might remember that Donald Trump was, hey, he wanted to get a vaccine. He wanted the vaccine and he wanted the vaccine before he left office. If he was going to leave office, he wanted it as soon as possible, preferably by Election Day. Listen to how Vivek characterized Donald Trump's urgency to get a vaccine. I think when it comes to a vaccine, all of us are hoping that we will get a vaccine that's safe and effective as soon as possible. But I think it's very dangerous at this point to give specific dates. Now, just slip it in there. It's subtle, but it's significant. That is a physician at that point, just an advisor to Joe Biden, saying that Donald Trump's goal of having that vaccine by November is dangerous, is dangerous. He was trying to slow the creation of a vaccine. I have no doubt because they didn't want one before Election Day. And now I hear Joe Biden is setting dates all the time. He's setting dates. He's not reaching them. But it's no problem when Joe Biden sets dates and deadlines, is it? If we do our part, if we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. He set a specific date. I don't think we've ever ever had somebody with less ability and less integrity than this man right now in the Oval Office. It is a disgrace. Uh, by the way, sorry, but there's some interesting news about Joe Biden's daughter. We haven't heard much about her. Her name is Ashley. And um, she kept a diary. The diary found its way into uh, the public. And now Joe Biden, apparently they've called the FBI to look for her diary. Very strange case when we come back. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. can say is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do they? I don't think there's anybody faker in the fake news than Chris Wallace. Oh boy, he's bad, huh? You know what he did at that debate. You saw how he protected Joe Biden. It was unbelievable. So it makes perfect sense that the swamp would give him an award for protecting democracy. This is really happening. Past 21 years, the Panetta Institute for Public Policy, founded by former Defense Secretary Leon Panetta, has honored men and women for their lives of public service. And this year, the honorees include the anchor of this program, our own Chris Wallace. And he's talking with two of the other recipients today. Chris? Bill, thanks. Public service. Public service. He's been sitting around getting seven-figure checks for who knows how long, protecting Democrats, undermining Trump. Public service. It gets even more ridiculous. 
This weekend, the Institute hands out its Jefferson Lincoln Awards, and I am honored that I'll be sharing a stage with my two next guests, Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney and House Democratic Whip James Clyburn. I want to start with this award that we're all winning for commitment to the principles of democracy. <laughs> all right. Not only is this, um, it's so arrogant, it's just bad television, okay? They're going to talk about an award. All three of them are getting commitment to democracy at a banquet, at an event that we're not going to, all right? They're going to talk about it. Um, uh, by the way, Liz and uh, Jim and Chris, they're all Trump haters, some more than others, but they're all Trump haters, especially Liz and Jim Clyburn. Uh, I uh, will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. He's not planning to give up the office. He thinks that the American people will be duped by him like the people of Germany was duped uh, by Adolf Hitler. Okay, now you understand why they're getting the award, okay? Uh, back to Chris for a second. What did he say next? You know, there were always divisions, and we always argued about policy. What strikes me that's different now, and not just now, but in recent years, is we argue over facts. We argue over the truth. Congresswoman Cheney, there is talk now, talk, that January 6th was a false flag operation, that it was a case of liberals in the deep state setting up conservatives and Trump supporters. Is there any truth to that? Uh, I'll take that one. There very well could be, and it's worthy of investigation. Now, Liz Cheney dismisses it. Her answer is interesting, and I'll show you it after the commercial break. Uh, but earlier uh, in that question, Chris said, we argue over truth, we argue over facts. And that's true. And Chris has been wrong, wrong on the facts. He even was wrong when he interviewed President Trump and he interrupted the whole interview to fact check Trump and he got it wrong. Trump was totally right and Chris was totally wrong, but that's how they, that's how they roll. And it was just glossed over and whatever. Who's gonna call us out on it? Um, by the way, Chris did get his award and he wore a tuxedo and uh, congratulations. Meanwhile, uh, I have to talk about a diary you keep a diary. It's very much a, a little kid thing, right? Mostly girls. Um, I remember one on the Brady Bunch. Uh, Marsha lost her diary and Desi Arnaz Jr. found it, read it and brought it back. That was that was interesting. In The Simpsons, there was a diary that um, uh, Lisa wanted and, and Bart was always meddling. Take a look. Get the Turbo Diary from Girl Tech. No one can read your secrets except you. Unauthorized user. Access denied. Turbo Diary, I love that I bought you. Hey, I could really use one of those. No arguments here. Man, I really come off like a jerk in this thing. <laughs> I love that. So, Ashley Biden, daughter of Joe. You don't hear much about her. She could have used a TurboTech diary because she lost it or was stolen sometime last year or earlier. Uh, and you know who comes off as a jerk in the diary? Sorry, I think that, you know, if you find a diary, you should return it, like Desi Arnaz Jr. But Joe is, uh, Joe does not come off good in this diary, all right? National File, a conservative website, 
published portions of the diary they discovered uh, last October, just before Election Day. Here's the thing, though. Nobody could verify it. You know, is this really her? Is it not? Who knew? Who knew what her handwriting looked like? She doesn't have a very high profile. Well, it turns out the diary is her diary. Uh, the New York Times reported initially that the FBI, the FBI raided the home of James O'Keefe. You know that guy from Project Veritas? Not that they published it, but at one point they may have had the diary. Joe Biden sicking the FBI on opposition journalists. That's where we are right now. The FBI worrying about a diary. That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? That shouldn't be happening. But it's happening in Joe Biden's Justice Department and who knows what else. All right, I got to take a quick break. When we come back, what did Liz Cheney say about a false flag operation? And who was she to talk, given that she's a Cheney? We'll be right back. A liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. Who's the officer? Do you want your house back? Take it! January 6th, Democrats are still intent uh, on exploiting that day. They want to exploit it to the hilt. I want to know who made it happen. Who actually, what was the role of uh, certain government agencies? I'll get to that in a moment, but... In the meantime, uh, a new round of subpoenas have gone out for these individuals, uh, a number of Trump associates. This is uh, the January 6th Select Committee. More subpoenas. Now, here's the thing. One, two, three, four, six. None of them was on Capitol Hill on January 6th. Not one of these people was on Capitol Hill. They're obviously (laughs) just trying to tie this to Trump. The FBI has already said this is not an insurrection. It wasn't planned. It wasn't coordinated. So this is, this is politics. But getting back to uh, the questions that some of us have been raising uh, more so recently, what did the government, what role did it play in January 6th? Even though they dismissed it on Chris Wallace's fake show, um, there could very well be something here. Take a look. There is talk now, talk, that January 6th was a false flag operation, that it was a case of liberals in the deep state setting up conservatives and Trump supporters. Is there any truth to that? None at all. You know, it's the same kind of thing that you hear from people who say that 9-11 was an inside job, for example. It is, um, it, it's, it's un-American uh, to be spreading those kinds of lies, uh, and they are lies. And, and we have an obligation that goes beyond partisanship uh, and, and an obligation that we share, Democrats and Republicans together, to make sure that we understand every single piece of the facts about uh, what happened that day day uh, and to make sure the people who did it are held accountable Um, and uh, to call it a false flag operation to spread those kinds of lies is really dangerous. Dangerous. I think it's dangerous saying that raising questions about January 6th is dangerous. If she wants to know about lies, catastrophic lies, she should talk to her father, former Vice President Dick Cheney, who everybody knows deceived all of us to get us into the Iraq war, that the Cheneys are able to show their face in public after what they did to this country, 
and that country, that's something. That's something. But back to the issue at hand. Remember that January 6th hearing from a couple of months ago? They found those four Trump-hating cops, and Liz Cheney played along. Now, do you think this is somebody who really wants to find out what happened? We saw all those failures, even law enforcement failures. Is this really getting to the bottom of it? Liz Cheney's questions from that hearing. How does that make you feel? Did you, did you have a sense at the time as you were going through the battle before the horrific violence happened to you um, of, of the, the, the nature of the gravity of the threat that we were facing, that the line was, in fact, the seat of American democracy? When you saw that, um, was that something that you had anticipated at all? You expressed some surprise. You mentioned that you had not seen any intelligence um, that would have led you to believe that we should expect that kind of violence. Um, could you elaborate on that a little bit? How did it make you feel? First question, how did it make you feel? Take a look, a summary of what she asked. How does it make you feel? The gravity of the situation, did you anticipate? Could you elaborate, please? This is not gonna get us to the bottom of January 6th. This is politics. This is her trying to exploit the issue just to hurt Trump, not to find out what actually happened. Here are some questions that I have. I think I'd actually be an effective member of that committee. Number one, who is this guy? This guy right here. Why doesn't Liz Cheney and the FBI wanna know who this guy is, seen outside the Capitol and later inside the Capitol, right where Ashley Babbitt was shot? Why aren't they asking that question? Who is he? Also, why did the cops let so many people in? We saw it, we've all seen it by now. Cops on either side, not stopping people from entering the Capitol. Why did that happen? And also, when Ashley Babbitt was shot, there were police officers protecting that door. They were not being harmed in any way. And then suddenly, they walk away. Watch. And then they leave the door unguarded. This is about 40 seconds before Ashley Babbitt is shot. Why did they walk away? And then all hell breaks loose. Why? These are the questions that we want to know. Their refusal and their reluctance to pursue the answers, that gives rise to false flag theories, which, quite frankly, aren't that far-fetched. I want to talk about Ashley Babbitt for a moment. We will not forget her on this show. An unarmed woman shot and killed by police, and they literally gave the police officer who shot her a medal. I know that the Babbitt family is uh, preparing a lawsuit. Uh, a lawsuit can take a lot of resources. They have to do a lot of investigating, and this is the uh, Give, Send, Go page for uh, the legal fund for Ashley Babbitt. I think you can see right there, if you want to get involved, givesendgo.com slash justice for Ashley. Again, that can be very expensive and uh a lawsuit can take many, many years. I don't know how that can be explained. There's not a police department in the world, or at least in America, that could justify that shooting. We'll be right back.
That is Ryan Nichols, uh, seen on January 6th. A protester, he served in the Marine Corps, by the way, honorably discharged after four years, but right now he's in a lot of trouble. He was arrested in January, uh, January 18th in Texas. He's been in the D.C. jail now uh, for a long time, and he actually joins us from the phone right now. Ryan Nichols, can you hear me? Yes, sir, Mr. Kelly, I can hear you. Thank you for having me on. You bet. Uh, first off, I got to ask you about the charge against you. Uh, you're charged, one of them, a, a assault with a dangerous weapon on a police officer. They're saying it was pepper spray. What do you want to say about that? Uh, that that's a, a question I'd probably not want to answer right now. All right, I understand that. Uh, that's something that you and your lawyer uh, have determined. So look, let's ask, let's talk about uh, what's happening right now. Do me a favor, tell us where you are right now. Set the scene, you're on phone, in jail, where? How does it work? What's going on where you are right now? Right now, I am in uh, what I'd like to refer to as DC Gitmo, but we're in the DC DOC Correctional Facility. And um, it, I can only describe it as a uh, Psychologically damaging, torturous, and inhumane here. Um, solitary confinement for anywhere between 18 to 26 hours per day. Uh, it used to be upwards of 23 to 30 hours per day um, before they finally gave us a little bit more time out of our cells. No haircuts, no shaves. Um, there's mistreatment by the officers and other inmates in general population. Uh, racial slurs used against us, assault against us by both officers and inmates. Uh, no family visitations. My wife and kids, uh, they're suffering right now. Uh, my youngest tells me that he doesn't even remember what I look like and asks him if I'm ever coming home. Um, there's mold in our cells, in the ventilation systems. Uh, and the jail has covered this up. They covered this up before the U.S. Marshals came in, and uh, they covered this up, um, you know, even before Marjorie Taylor Greene and Louis Gomer came in. So um, there's, a, there's a lot to be said about that, and uh, we're being targeted and punished for who we are and what we believe in. Did anything change? Did your conditions improve uh, ever so much after the congressional visit? Uh, I guess it was Friday night. Did anything change Thursday night? Uh, I would say nothing has really changed other than the fact that they're now moving people out of here to different facilities now. Uh, we saw that they moved 400-plus inmates on the CTF side of the jail out. Um, after the marshals came, and they said nothing was wrong over here. After the congressman came, and we're glad that they did it. It highly you know, boosted morale inside of here. But now we're seeing that they're moving people out. They actually came in and found mold after we showed Mrs. Green uh, and Mr. Gomer our cells and showed their, um, their, their workers what things looked like in our cells. We showed them the ventilation systems, the water that we were drinking, the pipes that we were drinking out of. We swabbed them and showed them the conditions. And after that, they came and finally did a small inspection and did find molds inside of cells and, uh, and are now double bunking people up. All right. A couple of things. Uh, number one, you say you've not been able to see your family. Your family is not allowed to visit you. How does that work? I mean, I, I, I thought that that kind of came. That was automatic. That was a right. Why are they denying you access or your family access to you during visit visiting hours? Uh, they're saying that we have to be COVID vaccinated if we want to receive family visitations. Uh, they don't allow us to have video visitations, even though we do have tablets that would allow video visitations on the tablets. They just don't put the program on there for us to use that. So um, we don't get family visitations. Um, we don't get, uh, you know, uh, religious services. 
every single bit of this uh, haircut, shave, proper hygiene, it, it comes with the mandate of you have to have a COVID vaccine if you want to be able to receive any of yeah. these. Let me ask you this, and I think I know the answer, but you've been there for a while. You know how the other prisoners are being treated. Uh, you've, you said this earlier, but I want to make sure. Other people who are not related to January 6th, they're living there as well. But your situation is worse, or are, is it just bad all around at that jail? It's just bad all around at this jail. We were actually outside doing outside rec earlier this last week, and one of the inmates um, from general population banged on the window and asked uh, two of the guys to come over there and, and speak with him. And he said, y'all are the January 6th guys. Is that correct? And we said, yes, we are. He said, I heard that you helped 400 people get free on the other side of this jail because of what you did. And we said, yeah, we've been working hard. We, we want to help people like you. And he said, well, can you help me get free? Because it's bad over here, too. So this is not just us dealing with this. This is jail-wide on both CDF and CTF. All right. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, you, by the way, I want to point out that you are known to a good chunk of America. A few years ago, you saved a bunch of dogs in Texas after a hurricane. The video went viral. Oh, my goodness. I remember this. I remember this. You're awesome. And everybody saw this. You got the dogs out of there. They were going to die. And you went viral. You were on the ABC Evening News. You went on the Ellen Show, and it was amazing. Oh, man, I do. Re this is great stuff. Ryan, uh, wow, you're in such a different world right now. And I am. Uh, let me ask you this, and I know it may sound a bit ridiculous, but um, is there one good thing that's happened since you've been incarcerated, one thing that you're grateful for that would not have happened had you not been going through this? Uh, I'm grateful for the people that I've met in here. Um, I, I've met a lot of people. I, I thought jail um, was, was going to be, you know, a lot different situation than it was. But what I've found is, is that people can come together for a common goal, and it teaches us that we can still love our country, even though that we feel our country, um, you know, may not feel the same way about us, or especially our government. When I refer to the country, I'm referring to the government in this standpoint. We feel hatred from our government. And we feel a lot of love from the people, but we feel a lot of hatred from the government. So I, I, I've learned um, to rely more on people and rely more on self, rely more on family inside of here, and to come together with one common goal. And that's what we've done is, is to get ourselves out of this situation and move forward with life. Now, we've had, a, a, we've had some success, but a lot of failure in actually talking to people like you on the inside. We've done it, not often. Look, you're speaking out boldly. You're very critical of, uh, of the facility, and uh, I, I, have, I have no quarrel with that. I'm just wondering, you know, are you incurring any risk? Are they giving you a hard time? You're on the phone right there. They're probably listening to both of us. Um, does, this, does this cause you problems, speaking out like this publicly? Absolutely, it causes us problems. I myself have been subject to, uh, you know, a, uh, physical aggression from officers. Not all the officers here are bad. We have some great officers that are here, but there are a lot that are not good. Um, I've actually been told because of the stuff that myself and Joseph McBride, my attorney, have put into court that I needed to watch my back here. Um, kind of like Christopher Worrell, when he got warned in the middle of the night that he wasn't safe, I too this last week, when we put our motion in talking about what actually happened 
on the West Terrace on January 6th. I told I was told that I needed to watch my back uh, because I could possibly be stabbed inside of here. So yeah, there there comes a level of risk when you're doing this. But I believe that um, good wins over evil, and you can't sit back and and allow these things to happen. You have to speak up and you have to talk, even for those that can't talk. What's next in your case? When are you due back in court? What's 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 going to happen next? We're due back in court on December 20th. Uh, right now, we have put a motion in um, that just talks about uh, one the level of, of police brutality that took place uh, on January 6th. We went uh, to go protest, and uh, you know we showed up in good faith on January 6th to protest the election results but never would have imagined we'd encounter the horrors we did on the West Terrace and in the tunnel that day. We feel targeted and hated by our government and are being punished in this jail as pretrial detainees. Many of us uh, here have been honorably discharged with no criminal history. Uh, I'm personally a United States Marine search and rescue specialist, and when I saw women being beaten and in distress, my rescue instincts kicked in, and I knew I had no choice but to help rescue them. As soon as I saw Officer Fanon in distress, I pointed at him and took action to help rescue him also. Uh, so my participation in Officer Fanon's event, no doubt, helped save his life that day, and this is all proven by video. Uh, yet I still sit in solitary confinement along with the other January Sixers awaiting my day in court. I love my country. I served my country honorably for four years in the United States Marine Corps. And I still look for ways to serve with my nonprofit, Rescue the Universe. Uh, I understand and accept that not everyone agrees with my stance and my beliefs, and that's okay. I love my country and our citizens regardless. Because of people like you, Greg Kelly, along with Newsmax, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Louis Gomer, and Joseph McBride, we feel the love that many, many Americans give us in return. And we still can't help but to feel the hatred from our government, though, towards us. And I hope that changes one day. What can we do? What can people do? What would you like us to do? What else can we do? And especially the people watching, is there anything? The best way to help us, uh, the, the court costs are racking up. Our families are dealing with single-family incomes right now with not having dad or father there to be able to help things out. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, I, I one had to switch attorneys at the very beginning, and um, that cost me $30,000 before I realized that I didn't have the correct attorney. Many people in here are not getting correct representation, and they don't have somebody that's willing to fight for them like Mr. McBride is willing to fight for me. So um, the best way to help us is to donate to our legal funds, and they can do that at McBrideLawNYC.com. Go to the January 6th tag, you'll find my name and the other January 6th defendants that he's uh, defending, and you can help support us there. All right, yeah, givesendgo.com slash golf26, November Foxtrot, G26, November Foxtrot. Mr. Nichols, Ryan, Marine, uh, stay safe. We thank you very much, very much, and uh, hang in there, okay? Thank you, Mr. Kelly, for having me on. You bet, you bet. And Mr. McBride, your attorney, is on the phone uh, monitoring the conversation. I understand you'd have to jump in if you, if it was appropriate. Can I just ask you real quick, Mr. McBride, if you can hear me uh, at that hearing yes. in December? What what are you anticipating? Can you can you tell me? Sure, uh, Greg. It's always good to be on, and thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to Ryan today. We are anticipating a vigorous debate. The government will no doubt continue to slander Mr. Nichols and attack his record and, 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 and even go as far as to say that he betrayed his oath in his country. But his life 
uh, that he has led his honorable discharge, his work as a humanitarian uh, search and rescue work, and the evidence of overwhelming police brutality and misconduct that day will be shown to the court in that hearing. And under the meaning of the Bail Reform Act, we will argue that he is not dangerous or flight risk and that he is certainly a good candidate for our pretrial services. And because of that, we hope that just days before Christmas on the 20th of December that Judge Hogan uh, will grant pretrial release in this case and send Ryan Nichols back to his wife, Bonnie, his son, Ryan Jr., and his son, Blake, just before yeah. Christmas 2021. That's what we're gunning for, Greg. Mr. McBride, thank you. You know, Joe Biden, he brags about knowing the Pope. I notice sometimes he seems to wear his faith on his sleeve. Uh, maybe, just maybe, he could do something. I don't think he will, but maybe. I know he could. He's got that authority, but uh, anyway, I appreciate it, Mr. McBride. I know you're handling You got a lot on your plate. Good luck and stay in touch, okay? Thank you so much, uh, Greg. God bless you. You bet, sir. You bet. Thank you. Uh, when we come back, the attorney general from Louisiana, who has been pretty successful so far in fighting the vaccine mandate, the Fifth Circuit just stayed the order. It's actually ineffective for the moment. We'll be right back. You've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. Easy there, Joe. Joe talking like a big man about vaccine mandates. Well, I had a feeling it wasn't legal, and it turns out we all might be right. Take a look at this ruling from the Fifth uh, Circuit Court. Uh, the mandate has been stayed because the vaccine mandate. There are grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate. The mandate is hereby stayed pending further action. Look, I think this is a huge step in the right direction. We have, in large part, to thank uh, the Louisiana Attorney General, Jeff Landry. Uh, sir, you spearheaded this lawsuit. Uh, one of the parties involved down there in the Fifth Circuit. First of all, congratulations. How are you feeling about this? Oh, look, we're feeling great. We always knew that there was going to be problems for the federal government to institute this type of mandate ever since the president uttered those famous words in September that it's not about freedom. Uh, this is all about freedom. Uh, and any time that the federal government can try to occupy their field and stand between you and your doctor on the health care decisions that are best left between you and your doctor, it is problematic. And it says this is, that this country, liberty does not exist anymore. And so we were thrilled to see the Fifth Circuit panel on Saturday stay that. We look forward to continuing to send them information and have this issue properly vetted. Hey, what do you say to the folks who are out there? If you look at the actual mandate, they say, well, there is an option to uh, get tested so you don't have to get the vaccine. And I've heard people here in New York, it leans left, say, well, that's that's totally reasonable. I don't agree, but I'd like to hear you. Why is that not a reasonable compromise or alternative? Well, look, I think it's unreasonable because I, don't, I think if the government mandated that and just a number of people who would basically opt out of not taking the shot and be required to be tested on a weekly basis would probably overwhelm the testing system. The question then becomes is, do we have enough tests out there to properly cover all of those work workers and at the same time address the testing that need that's needed in the healthcare arena so that me and you would know whether 
not, if we went to the doctor, we actually have COVID or not. I mean, think about it. We can't do all, all of that, and it's absolutely unnecessary, and it's certainly problematic when a governor, government goes out there and, and mandates this kind of action. All right, so what happens next? We have the stay. Uh, does it go to the Supreme Court? How long does it remain in effect, and how, how optimistic are you? Well, look, I think it's important to remember that the Third Circuit has put a very accelerated briefing schedule. They've asked the government to reply by 5 p.m. today. We have until 5 p.m. tomorrow to, to file reply briefs based on that. I think that they're going to take up this issue and have some sort of injunctive ruling maybe by Friday or Monday. That would be directly appealable to the United States. Supreme Court. But you know, Greg, there's a lot of confusion out there. This is just one part of it. On Thursday, we walked into federal court here in Louisiana District Court and filed against the president's executive order as it relates to federal contractors and to federal grant monies. And then there's also a third part to that, which is the rule under which CMS has put out that says that if you take any type of Medicare or Medicaid funding, you have to have the same policy as well. We're loading up that suit and look forward to seeing the president and his people in court on that as well. All right. All right. Hey, by the way, here's the chief of staff to uh, Joe Biden. Ron Klain is his name. He's an old Washington hand uh, talking uh, big on, on Meet the Press yesterday. If OSHA can tell people to wear a hard, hard hat on the job, right. to be, be careful on chemicals, it can put, put in place these simple measures to keep our workers safe. All right. Well, no, for me, they're not simple measures. This is involved stuff. Uh, this is putting something in your body, not a hat on your head. But um, can you just tell us how else he's wrong, in your opinion? Oh, completely. I mean, think about it. So where is this going to leave OSHA's uh, power? Does it say that, you know, we may have an obesity problem in this country? And so therefore, we're going to make OSHA mandate that every person with a BMI um, of a certain percentage can no longer take lunch breaks, uh, we're going to force their caloric intake. We're going to force a medical procedure on about the way lap band surgery or any other type of surgery that reduces obesity. Then we look at maybe cardiovascular disease, uh, what type of conduct do workers in that scenario play out? I mean, it just goes, the list goes on and on and on. This is not OSHA's job. If you want to tell us to wear steel toe boots, that's fine. That's something that everyone can wear. But again, this is our health care choices, something that requires an individual and their doctor to be making. Jeff Landry, uh, you're in Lafayette. How far is that from New Orleans? Uh, about two hours. OK, uh, I love your state, by the way. I used to go there quite a bit. I want to come back. And uh, well, Jeff Landry, I'm really glad you're on this case. The Louisiana attorney general to be continued, sir. Good luck. Well, Greg, come back and we'll feed you some great food unless the government bans that as well. <laughs> OK, just keep those hurricanes away from me. I'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. To be continued and uh, stand by for Stinchfield.